Greetings and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we will be talking with your favorite LGBTQ authors. This is Anita Kelly, and my guest today is the award-winning author Fiona Riley. Hi, Fiona. Hey, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for being with us today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is great. Um, we have never spoken before. No, this is very exciting. Yeah, it's cool. It's nice to finally meet you. <laughs> so, um, so Fiona, um, how many novels do you have published to date? Uh, so right now I have six novels out with Bold Strokes Books, um, and I'm working on quite a bit more, but so far six. Wow. So you have a couple works in progress? I do. I'm in the process of writing a series. So my, my first published book was actually the start of a series. So the first three books were part of A Common World, and then I had three standalones. And I decided I missed the series life, so I'm back in the midst of it now. And that's my next project is a, is a three-book series. So when when you wrote your first book, did you intend for that to be a series or... Did you, I don't know, receive requests for, you know, another another piece of that? Or how did that happen? You know, it's kind of funny. I never had the intention to write a series. My first book, Mismatch, was in my debut novel with Bold Stroke. It's also the, my first real venture into formal writing. And um, I, had, I didn't have it originally planned to be a series. But during the process of editing and sort of learning the craft and learning how Bold Stroke sort of does uh, you know, does their books and their marketing. It became apparent through my editor, who I have, I have one of the best editors there are, there is, and uh, she's the one who said to me, you know, this could really be kind of something more. Have you ever thought about expanding upon it? And then, you know, book two and three came out over a conversation with her, and that was it. So one book became three really quickly, but it wasn't my intention originally. Wow, that's awesome. That really is. And and can you tell our listeners a little bit about the Match series? Sure. So. Uh, it's called the Perfect Match series, and it takes place in Boston. And it's um, centered around Samantha Montero. She's a millionaire matchmaker, so she specializes in matching people who have dedicated themselves to business or work and sort of missed the social aspect of life. And now they have a little bit of money behind them, but they have either no connections or no ability to date, which happens in the first book and into the second book. They have no social skills, and they just sort of need to be. Um, they need, they need to be fine-tuned and kind of polished a little bit. And a lot of them, because they spend their whole life working or in business, you know, they also have assets to protect. So her job is to find them someone who's a good partner for them, a safe partner, a reliable partner, but also a good match to them because these people tend to be a certain type of personality, um, really driven, work-obsessed. Um, they can be challenging. And that's sort of what Samantha specializes in is making the impossible possible. And the first book follows her as Boston's very own mismatch, um, the Boston-based matchmaker, who's unfortunately unlucky in love on her own. Very successful in business, but very unsuccessful in her own romantic life. And that's where she is. Does Samantha eventually find her own? Samantha eventually does find a match. I am a happy ever after kind of writer. Um, (laughs) But she finds the match in the process of trying to match someone else. So she's actually just trying to do her job and she sort of stumbles upon um, Lucinda Moth, who's a, she's a a dance instructor amongst other things. She's also, um, she also works in marketing, but 
she used to be a, a professional dancer. And Samantha is brought, um, this really lovable character named Shelly White comes into Samantha's office and she's a complete tech nerd. She's a complete geek. She has no social skills. She's unlucky in love. She's looking for a girlfriend. She can't find one. And Samantha does her best, you know, charm school work with her. She teaches her how to place her fork and knife, how to talk to a woman, how to make eye contact. And she's just trying to find some grace to give Shelly. And she thinks the only way that might be happening, that might be possible is with something like dance, something that's coordinated, but also requires your own instinctual reactions and habituation. And she wanted to really see if maybe teaching her ballroom dancing would get her to calm down. And in the search for that, that's when she stumbles upon Lucinda Moss and they strike up a friendship in the hopes of helping find Shelly a match out in the world. Oh, that's awesome. So I got to ask you, are you a matchmaker in real life? Um, I, I have definitely played around a little with that in my own <laughs> life, for sure. Some friends, I'll say that I think I'm more of a community builder than a matchmaker. Okay. I think if I, if I find people and personalities that I think would mesh well, or that, um, might get along or could complement each other, mm-hmm. then I definitely, I draw those people, bring friends from different parts of my life and world together, because I feel like. Like I said, as a community, I think I'm a more of a community builder, not so much a matchmaker. If something happens that has hits it off, I mean, that's just, that's just good luck, but that's not the intent. Okay. So is Samantha a little bit of you then? Because it sounds like she's a little bit of that community builder also. Yeah, Samantha, there's a lot of my personality in that first book. I think I'm a little bit more Lucinda. Uh, my wife is a lot more Samantha. And if you ever met my wife in person, you would see it right away if you're familiar with the character. Um, I tend to write... Uh, confident leading women, with the exception of maybe Shelley White, who's the lead of book two. Um, I like to write a woman who's, you know, got a head on a good head on her shoulders, that's determined, that's positive, that's, you know, she's uh, persuasive, and I like someone that's confident. And I think that that those qualities that I feel like I have myself are also you'll see more in Lucinda in that personality aspect. But yeah, this is probably a little bit of me and Samantha too. Okay, so when did you write? Um... The perfect, was it, is it the perfect match? It's mismatch. Mismatch Mismatch is number one. Okay. When did you write mismatch? Um, I actually wrote mismatch uh, in 2012 uh, over about six months. And um, I pitched it, I think, in 2013 to Bold Strokes Books after I'd had it um, looked at by a professional editor just because it was my first foray into formal writing and I just had a lot of loose ends to clean up. And um, Bold Strokes accepted it. So it was published in... I believe spring of 2015, but I wrote it back in 2012, 2013. Wow. That's awesome. That's a a really short time, like turnaround time for your first novel, really. You know, I had done a little bit of, um, like I think most people do in this genre. I did do some fan fiction. I have many stories that were up for a long time that had a couple hundred thousand views that had followers that, um, so I started out in fan fiction a little bit and then I sort of, that was just sort of just playful, just casual stuff just to, to, cause I love to write. But when the f- actual option to write a real book came up and I had the opportunity, I think the months and hours I'd put into that sort of channeled into writing formally. So I think that was helpful. Okay. That's, you know, uh, I've spoken to so many authors who really kind of came into their own through writing fan fiction um, and, um, I'm, I'm finding that some of it is still available, um, online. 
Um, if if our listeners wanted to, could they find some of your work online? I've actually taken my um, fan fiction down only because some of the stories that I wrote, I have since turned into some novels. So some oh, of the cool. ones that are published were up originally. I also, there was a, a little bit of a... Um, I saw a lot of plagiarism happening on the on the fan fiction front that it was a little overwhelming for me. Oh. So once I contracted with the publisher, I pulled my work down. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Oh, sorry about the plagiarism. I hear that goes on a lot, like especially with like ebooks and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, you know, honestly, I was lucky enough not to have not that I know of to have been a victim of it, but a few close friends of mine were, and obviously, you know, if we communicate in the same chat. Um, you just think that by association, those things would be connected. So I just definitely want to protect my work, especially if I plan to, to publish. And once I had published this match, you know, I feel like that was where I wanted to be. So, yeah, definitely. Good for you. So, um, was writing like a craft that you took up as an adult or did you write as a kid? Um, how did that come to be? I was a writer my whole life. Um, I, I, my claim to fame was I was published in a national poetry contest when I was 12. Um, I used to write a lot of poetry. I used to write a lot of music. And then when I went to high school, I was sent to a private high school. Um, it was a college-oriented high school, so I had a lot of classwork. And I sort of lost the art of writing, the love for writing, because I was really focused on going to school. And I ended up getting a degree in medicine, and that sort of sucked the, the fun life of freedom writing right out of me until I was established in my, my career. And then I was able to go back to it. And I realized it never, I never really left it. Like it was definitely something I had intertwined with my professional life, but um, I missed it. And when I was able to get back to it, I think I felt more fulfilled for sure. Cool. So, so are you in the medical field? Um, is that your day job? It is my day job. Yep. I work in medicine um, all the time. <laughs> and, <laughs> Um, and I write for fun and, um, and for, you know, catharsis. I love writing and I, I love romance and happy ever afters. And I like trying to find a way in a difficult world. And I think escapism through that with representation of the queer community is really where I want to be. So, so that's, um, that's so interesting. I, I have met so many people, especially in the medical field who, um, are very creative, like they're using both sides of their brain. Um, and, and that's, um, it's really amazing to me. It really is. I'm, I'm in awe, you know? Um, I think that so little about medicine is black and white. I mean, I think there's definitely, we have books and, and, and I'm also, I'm a professor in addition to, to just, um, to working in medicine. And I think we have a linear approach to most things. We want things to be two plus two is four. But I think as we're seeing, especially in the world we're in right now, there's a lot of gray area and every individual person is different. Um, and every approach to medical practice should be unique to that person. I mean, there's definitely a recipe that we use, just like we use in romance. We use a romance recipe to write our novels. There's also a recipe that we use to address injuries and sicknesses, but every person is different. So I think to be a good clinician and to be a good practitioner, in addition to being a good author, you have to be able to to understand the complex human component and how different everyone is from each other. And everyone has an individuality that needs to be represented. So the best practitioners and the best writers are people that understand that it's not black and white and there is so much complexity and there's much more gray area so you have to use both sides of the brain. You have to be clinical and you have to be creative because everyone's not the same. And I think that's what makes everyone so unique and wonderful. 
You must be an, an amazing practitioner. Um, <laughs> really. <laughs> That's really, um, I'm so glad to hear how you think. <laughs> so um, you have a couple standalones, right? In addition to the I series. Do. And um, that is, what is it? Room service? And Room service is one. I have Media Darling. And my most recent was Not Since You. And that was last. Uh, November. Okay. So, uh, Media Darling, I remember that. I, I um, somehow skipped over that one. When did that come out? Do, do you recall? Uh, that, yeah, that came out uh, two Novembers ago. I took a little time off. I have, I, have a new, I have a one-year-old daughter, so I went from writing two or three books a year down to one. So, uh, Media Darling came out in 2000, uh, fall of 2018. Wow, that's great. So, so how do you, you have a one-year-old and I know you have like a toddler too, right? Yeah, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old right so, now, almost <laughs> to the death. <laughs> man, how do you manage to write novels, uh, maintain your day job, do it well, and, uh, you know, raise two babies and, and be in a relationship? <laughs> uh, well, the relationship really helps, um, I'm married to my favorite person in the world. So I think that's really great. Um, oh, that's so nice. That's so sweet. And, and you know, if anyone out there has kids, like little kids are 24 seven work for sure. There's not really a checkout. You don't get to like shut down from 8 PM to 8 AM because the one year old's got teeth coming in and she's teething and you know, she wants to be hollowed or rocked or she wakes up at 2 AM with mouth pain. So, um, for me, I'm, um, I'm not a pantser when I write, I'm a plotter and I have to be because, the time that I have to write has to be writing time um, because I don't have a lot of free time. So for me right now with the pandemic that's happening and how that's such a unique experience, I write first thing in the morning before the girls wake up. And then I write in the evening after they go to sleep. If they happen to overlap a nap midday, which never seems to be the case. Um, sometimes I'll try to write in there, but I do have clients I'm seeing um, in between when they're waking and sleeping. So it's tricky. It takes a lot of scheduling um, I have a really patient wife that helps, but, uh, I have to, I have to map out my time. I don't have free time to go sit in the backyard and write. Like it has to be dedicated hours. So for me, I have to be scheduled. Uh, that's the only way it works. Is that how most of your life is with two babies? I imagine everything's scheduled. It, it, it kind of have to be. I will say this has definitely turned everything on its head. My big girl's not in school anymore. So she's home with us and the baby's, you know, still a baby. So, um, I try not to be overly scheduled because you, you want to live these moments and these minutes while you have them because they, they grow up so fast, I yeah. think. But in order to meet the deadlines that I have contracted for, sure, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, so you're a plotter. So does that mean like you, you know um, who your characters are, where they're going, how they're getting there? Um, or are, is there some diversion throughout the book? Um, I think that you, uh, like, kind of like how I felt with my approach to medicine and writing, I think you have to have the ability to divert a little because everything changes in the moment. But um, as far as it comes to character development and idea of where the story is going, I know where it goes from the first word to the last word. Um, I read um, a really detailed proposal. My proposals, most people probably have a couple paragraphs. My proposals are six or seven pages long. And they'll start with, they'll start with what the character, the main character looks like, what she feels like, what she sounds like, you know, what type of traits are quality traits, what type of traits might be detrimental traits. Does she have a short temper? Does she, 
Is she lazy? Is she, you know, angry? Does she have wounds or what's her baggage? I'll do that for both main characters and a few supporting characters. And then I'll map out kind of a summary, which is a few paragraphs of like what to expect. And then typically I'll also map out not quite chapter by chapter, because I don't think you can do that and be a free writer because you do have to have some, you know, free thought, um, like, you know, but um, free stream of conscience. But I, I definitely do map out in sections like, you know, they first meet and they have this conflict and then they still have a conflict and they don't like each other, but then they start to like each other. So I'll map that through all the way. So I'll have like, you know, the big events for like for mismatch, for instance, I knew that I wanted Samantha to be coming out of a bad breakup, her, her business to be successful, but her business partner to be concerned because she personally didn't have a successful relationship and it was poorly reflecting on the business. I needed them to have a character come in that needed help and I needed Samantha to find her way through the character. So I knew that I'd have major arch points that were like kind of mapped out, but I didn't have specifically um, in chapter one, they're going to do this. Chapter two, they'll do this. So I'm plotted with a little bit of flexibility. Okay. Give yourself some wiggle room, really. That's what you have to do. So, so you said you missed writing the series. So I did. So can you tell us like a little bit about this upcoming series? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first book is done. It's, um, it's the editor now, and that will be out in this fall. Um, it's called, um, a high stakes romance series. And it's, um, it's, it's based on a luxury real estate office based in Boston. And they sell high-end real estate, you know, um, million-dollar condos and penthouses. And they, um, it's a p- particularly competitive luxury real estate brand. Um, uh, you know, I'm sure if you've seen Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous or, yeah. you know, Flip or Flop, things like that. You've seen how competitive the real estate market. Boston is one of the most competitive markets out there. Um, when we were looking to buy and sell, we listed our house on Thursday. The house was sold on Saturday. Awesome. So, which is great, but it's as a buyer, that's a that's a tough road. <laughs> yeah, I know that we had that same experience when we sold uh, our, our last house. Yeah, it was uh, it wasn't even in that it was in that same day we put it you know a sign in the yard, and that night we were signing the contract. It's wild. Yeah, so you know it's and it's I think that's kind of where we are. So one this particular series, the first book in the series is called Bet Against Me, and the entire um, series focuses around gamble and associates um the the woman who owns the company's name is ellison gamble and that's where the sort of bet theme comes from the first book is called bet against me and the second book which will be out next year is called bet the farm and the last book is called beginner's bet and it all bases around these workers and the colleagues and friends that all work out of this real estate office um gamble and associates oh that sounds great that sounds like fun so, so the uh, first one is um the first book that you'll see in the fall that against me is it's a rivals romance so it's a rivals to lovers kind of thing um and it, there's a competition set up between two rival luxury real estate firms and it's about who can outsell this particular building first and they you know they contract to effectively be at war with each other for four months and it sort of develops how one character who's really full of herself and bullish and and cocky meet someone who comes from a lot of success is trying to rebrand themselves somewhere else. And it was my, it's my first foray into writing, um, rivals to lovers. And it was really fun to do. It was very different. Um, I haven't, I'm notorious for writing a lot of lust and steam and sex in my books. That's the thing that happens with me, which I'm okay with. And, um, this was a real slow burn. So, because they hated each other for a long time. So that, um, this is different. This is a fun, I think it's a fun one though. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, 
do you find that that's more difficult to write than you know your your um, how you normally go with um, you know the usual the quick burn yeah quick burn or- yeah. Um, you know, the interesting thing about this one, and maybe it's because I am approaching this book as a series, there's a lot more world building in this book. So to develop the, the world and the characters and the people you're going to see in the subsequent books, I had to put a lot more time into developing the story because the story is going to slide into two or three other books. Whereas Mismatch, when I wrote the book, I wrote it planning it to be a standalone and then turned it into a series. So where I know this is going into its own group of books. I think I spent more time writing the scenery and focusing on the extra characters and the secondary and third characters just to make sure that they're well-developed for their own books. So in that regard, it did take longer for me, and it was a little different. Um, It was more difficult for me to keep them out of the bedroom, I think, than get them in it because I'm so used to that immediate um, physical attraction to, you know... um, Ignition, which for me was harder to delay, but I had a lot more story to weave in. So in some regards, it was easier, but also not so great. Easy. So um, is this more uh, more character driven then? Uh... I think all the books I write are character driven. Okay. Um, I write a lot of characters and I, lot of, I write a lot of friendships. Okay. So you'll see this is no different. These are This book has got a lot of interpersonal communications, family members or friends um, that the main character uses as confidants to try to figure out their own feelings. Okay. And, um, and bet, bet against me is due out in the fall. So we look forward to yeah. that one. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. It sounds like it. You're, you're, you're like uh, very animated when you talk about it. That's really cool. <laughs> so, um, so tell us about room service is another one of your standalones, right? Yeah, so room service uh, room service came about actually after a long weekend I was away for Valentine's Day. Um, you know, there's so much there's so much intrigue at hotels, and maybe it's, this was definitely written in the past. Clearly, things have changed, but um, there's something really exciting about being in a different place in a different space. And room service is a, is a story that is a work based story, so it's a workplace romance. And uh, there's an interior designer who gets picked up by this much larger national firm. She has a much smaller firm that she works for and has given the opportunity to replicate this room in multiple different cities and states across the country. But to do that, she has to be on site in the city for a few weeks at a time, goes back to New York and comes back out again. So she's constantly on the go. And by taking yourself out of your natural element and putting yourself into someplace different, there's just that level of excitement about what could happen, you know, what's here, what's there. Every day is sort of an adventure on these trips that she sent on. And she happens to start to strike up a really great relationship with the corporate liaison for the larger company. And eventually, rather quickly, turns into a romantic relationship. And they had to kind of figure out how to navigate working together and sleeping together and also keeping it quiet. And then at the very end, there's sort of this issue that arises with the, once the contract is over. She's only contracted with them for so long. What happens then? She's based in New York. The other woman's based in Chicago. And what does that mean when you spend all your intimate time together in no one's home and in a hotel? And what does that, you know, what does that translate to? So room service is very much about escapism and passion and being in a hotel and just enjoying what that means. Um, and, and what that no strings attached means, right? Because you're not at someone's house. You're not 
Yeah. You're not seeing, you know, your siblings, your mom, your friends. So what does that mean when you have to try to build those worlds back together? Yeah, it's very different. It's um, a different kind of intimacy, really. Sure. So um, did you have to do a lot of research for room service and for um, the um, bet the farm and bet against me um, and, and learn about those, I'll say industries um, or um, a little bit. I think room service, I think came more naturally to me um, just because I, I have some experience with a lot of creatives in my life who do interior design and do um, consultation work. And so that was easy to do. And, Actually, my mother was a realtor at the beginning of my life, so I have a lot of real estate exposure, so it was kind of an easy one for me for the, the Bet series. But there will be quite a bit of work in the Bet the Farm, which is based in um, a dairy farm in Maine, which if uh, some of the readers are familiar with, it's the dairy farm that's mentioned in Media Darling. So we're going to be visiting that farm. It's going to have its own book. So um, there's definitely some research involved with that. I've already started um, a lot of phone calls some walkthroughs to some luxury real estate offices. I have a really great broker I've been working with in Boston to give me the, the real um, face-to-face honest experience. Um, so that's for sure. I, I do enjoy research. So it's not something that, you know, turns me off necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important as long as it's character driven, the research is supportive. It's like its own character, right? So yeah. it shouldn't drive the novel necessarily the characters do. So it's a matter of me understanding it and making it seem interesting in a way that people want to read about it. So um, a lot of, uh, it seems like a lot of your um, books take place in Boston. Yes. I'm definitely brand specific. Um, I, you know, I love Boston. I love, I love new England. I love how close everything is. I love being by the water. I love being able to have all the seasons. Um, It it tends, it tends to be a brand thing for me. I will say, um, not since you takes place in the Caribbean almost the whole time. So (laughs) it takes place in a lesbian cruise ship. So um, that's a little bit of a departure, but I had recent cruise experience to draw from. So um, that, that one didn't take place in Boston, but yeah, I I think, yeah, I'm comfortable here. So I think I'll probably stick around. So are you like, do you reside in Boston now? Is that? I do. I do. I live in Boston. Okay. Did you grow up in Boston also? Uh, a little outside of Boston, yeah, okay. not awesome. too far though. Awesome. So, um, how has your life changed since you've become a writer, if at all? Uh, it's changed a lot in that my free time now um, and my vacations are are usually based around author events. If I can get there, it's definitely a little different with littles now that I have a couple little. Um, Do you take them along? I always take my family with me. I don't like to travel without them necessarily. And some of that might change as they get a little bigger, but they've been little for so long. Um, um, I really came into writing and within a year and a half of being published, I had my oldest daughter. So um, they have been growing with me with this experience, which I am so grateful for. Um, So in that regard, it's changed a lot, but now my, my downtime that I would normally do something else is now dedicated to writing for sure. And, you know, and fostering the people I meet and my relationships I've met. I've met some amazing authors and some amazing readers and I've struck up some really wonderful relationships with them. So in that regard, you know, my friend group and my confidant group has quadrupled. And I think that that's something that as a young, as a young parent with young kids, um, it's kind of isolating. 
especially right now we're we're not going out of the house and, and we're not getting a break. So having that, you know, fundamental built in friendship and relationship with these people I've met through writing has been a lifesaver. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. That's that's awesome really. Um one of one of the benefits of, of this. Um and Bold Strokes definitely has a great group of, of authors attached to it, really. Absolutely. So um, do you ever get time to read? I do read. Um, I used to listen to a lot of audiobooks when I was driving more for work, but now that most of that's home-based, um, I don't read while I'm writing. So I take a break from leisure reading while I write, but because I have such a tight schedule, I tend to write quickly. So I do read in between books. Um I do listen to a lot of audiobooks, though I kind of have to. <laughs> who, who are some? Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> who are some of your favorite authors? So, in romance, I love Chris Bryant. Um, I love what she does with first person. I'm a big fan of Melissa Brayden and Georgia Beers. Um, I think Jessica Webb is brilliant. Uh, I think she's um, fantastic and so creative. You know, I'm a big fan of Carson Tate and uh, V.K. Powell. And, you know, I think that. Um, Missouri Vaughn is so talented and, you know, Elle Spencer. And I definitely, I have a, I definitely prefer certain types of romance. I like to, I really do like to escape. I don't want to be too stressed out when I'm reading. Yeah, um, I get that. But I like a little intrigue too. Yeah, you know, um, growing up and what I do reach for is I, I really did love mysteries growing up. I was a big fan of Agatha Christie and Mary, um, I'm all of a sudden blanking on her name. Why well, I can't remember her name right now. Okay. Um, I was I just Patricia Cornwell. Like I read a lot of that growing up. I was okay. a big fan of that stuff too. So um, okay. Mary Higgins Clark. That's the other one. That's oh, okay. All right. I was thinking Rita Mae Brown, but yeah. No, and I sometimes I step out of the genre. I like to be I like to be intrigued. So um, okay. but that's I kind of I do it all, and I read a lot of medical texts. So. I, that's why audiobook and escapism is what I prefer because I, I read a lot of medicine, so yeah. I'd rather not do that in my leisure. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that definitely. Um, so, can you can you tell me, like, looking back, who do you think has had the biggest impact on your life? Just in a general world sense. Yeah. Personally, and this is and this is very specific to me, uh, the most important person that's in my life that's impacted my ability to write and my quality of life is my wife, for sure. Um, she is just, she's great. And she's encouraged me all along to, to pursue something. To, and she's such the best cheerleader, but she's also strict with me. And she makes sure that I hit my deadlines and she follows up with things. But I have the kind of life with her that I want to see on the page. Because I think if I had realized when I was younger that there could be a happy ending, that there could be such great love in this life. I think maybe my teens and 20s would have been a little different. So for sure, um, the biggest impact on my life has been my wife. And certainly in my writing, I, I want to make sure that that love story is there because I have that. And it's important for me for people to see that. Oh, that's so awesome. That's so sweet. And it sounds like she holds you, almost holds you accountable in a way. Oh, my God. She's the, she's the one who's telling me to go upstairs to write. She's like, you know, this is just this is an hour and a half window. So... Go do it, because <laughs> you're on shift. <laughs> How long have you guys been together? Sixteen and a half years. Nice, really nice, good. So, so um, and and this is a personal question, but what made you decide to to have children to start a family? 
Um, you know, the interesting thing is we'd always talked about it. I met my wife in college when we were um, freshmen and sophomore year. So um, we've been together a long time. Yeah, we're young. We've been together a long time. Um, I've been with her almost soon. I'll be with her longer than I wasn't. Um, Yeah. So I think, I think we grew up together a lot and I always, she's from a bigger family and we'd always talked about it. And, uh, you know, I, I love the idea of a lot of faces at the table and, um, noise in the house. And I just love having the opportunity to build home memories. I love holidays. Um, if you ask any, you ask Melissa Braden, she'll tell you all the time. I'm like the queen of the holiday. I'll decorate the house. I'll decorate myself. I'll dress up like the Easter bunny like that for me, those things are really important. I think that there's something about having kids, um, that helps you stay young and helps you stay focused and appreciate the little things and stay grounded because every day is a, is a battlefield. (laughs) And most times it's a lot of laughing and snuggling and kisses. And sometimes it's warring over dirty socks and pants that probably should have been washed. But, um, but it's all fun stuff. And at the end of the day, I want to remember all that fun stuff. So for me, it was, we were always going to have a family. We just weren't sure how, but we were very lucky to be able to have them. So family was always in the picture. That's great. Great. Congratulations. Yeah. It's like, it's like kids really keep you in the here and now, you know? Um, And, uh, you know, um, they just keep you really alive and, and moving, you know, it's nice. Um, it keeps you on your toes, that's for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> humbling. It's a very humbling experience. Uh huh. And 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 they really uh, teach you how to roll with it too. You know. Oh sure. I, I you know I was definitely more type A before I had kids. I like things a certain way. I like you know things in a certain place. But you know once you have children, you you'll find out. Even if you have pets, I, I mean I have a, I had a dog for a long time. I have a couple of cats. Even that, like, yeah, that's good practice. It's a good warm-up because, you, you know, your shoe's missing, there's something destroyed or whatever, and, mm-hmm. you know, you just gotta, it just happens, life just happens around you, and you just need to, to live life as it, as it comes to you. So kids and pets and, you know, those, those are good reminders of that. Yeah, definitely. So it sounds like your wife has also had a big impact on your writing. Um, so would you would you agree or would you say was some is there someone else who has had a, a big impact on your writing? I think in the in the in the personal development and encouragement section, um, she's there. She's also my one of my greatest critics. So if um, if I give her a book to read and she doesn't like it, she'll definitely um, tell me. Nice, <laughs> which I can appreciate. Um, you know, I grew up really loving poetry, and I was really loved you know, Robert Frost, and, you know, there's definitely some classics that I love and, and, and was drawn to. I can't specifically say that I have one author who I think um, really influenced me outside of my own brand, but, like, you know, helped me form my own brand, but um, I think a lot of little things, I was really, really loved Maya Angelou. I read a lot of her works. I saw her um, in person in college and in high school, and I feel like I really, I, I loved what she had to say mm-hmm. and I love the message that she got across. And like I said, I really loved, you know, Mary Higgins Clark and how she wove a story and how her main characters were a certain way and there wasn't any swearing and, and she never had any sex in her books, which I obviously have made up for in mine. But, um, <laughs> but I, I appreciated that they were heroines and like really great heroes in those books. And I think Neil Gaiman does a great job of having, you know, really established characters and, you know, I like empowered people, and I think that there are so many wonderful authors out there that do that. 
mm-hmm. um, in every genre, but those are the ones in particular, the ones that most appeal to me. Okay. And so um, you, I, I'm hearing, right, that you like to read romance, uh, write romance. Um, would, would that be, or have you ever considered stepping out of that genre? Um, I think that there's probably, um, there's a part of me that would always, always has wanted to write a mystery because I, I grew up loving them so much. I don't know that I have that in me for sure, but, um, I do love romance and I love the escapism of it and I love to write it. And I think that maybe one day I might want to pen a story about my life, but I think I have a lot of life to live yet. So, um, maybe one day I'll put that in the back burner. We'll see. Okay. All right. Awesome. You heard it here first. <laughs> so, um, Fiona, do you like to hear from your your readers? Absolutely. Um, you know, the the more often the better. I love to hear people's uh, opinions and perceptions and whether they liked or didn't like a book. Preferably they liked it. But if they didn't, that's okay, too. Um, I like to hear people's connections. I've made some really great reader connections where people have found a piece of themselves reflected in the um, character or they felt really seen. And, and that's as a writer, that type of feedback is really helpful. It makes me understand that, you know, the vulnerability of putting my words out there is, is received and understood and appreciated. Um, but also that, you know, you always hope that something that you write helps somebody or improves their day or puts a smile on their face or, you know, anything. You, that's, we write the, we write to, it's a selfless act, but it's also selfish because it's helpful for us, but we also want to help other people and make them laugh or smile or give them that escape. So, I love hearing from people. I, the more I want to hear from everybody. That's nice. That's nice. It's nice to have that human connection with people through your writing also, you know, that you, you know, that, you know, you've, you've touched someone um, in some way. That's really nice. Um, and I can imagine that it is a little scary, right. To put your work out there um, and, um, and receive feedback about it. Um, Oh yeah. Oh sure. That's, that's a tough, I mean, there's some things you want to avoid, you know, some, some reviews you stay away from, um, everyone's, you know, entitled to their opinion. But I think that, um, you have to get a little bit of a thick skin to do this work, but also understand that everyone has their own life and their own experiences. And and if you can improve upon that or impact that in a positive way, then you're doing great. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, Fiona, do you have any parting words for our listeners today? Um, I would say it's really tough out there. So, you know, do things that make you feel healthy and happy and feel fulfilled and escape as often as you need to. And if you need to find a happy ever after, you know, um, let's second romance is there for you and there's no shame in that. And it's, it's good stuff. And, and we want to hear from you too. So if you read it and you like it, you know, shoot up a note and post a review because those reviews really help us to understand how things go and how to bring our name to other people. So um, find a book you love and find an author you love and reach out and tell them. And then let's, let's make some community out of it. Awesome. So if someone were looking for one of your books, they could go to the Bold Stroke Books website um, and look you up, right? Absolutely. I'm also on Amazon. You can find me there too. It's Fiona Riley. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter at Fiona Riley Fick. FIC or at my email, uh, Fiona fiction at gmail.com. And anywhere you want to reach me that way, I'm on Instagram too. I'm on Facebook. Um, please reach out. I love meeting people and chatting up with people. So I'm very approachable in that regard. So please do approach. Awesome. 
thank you. So we look forward to your next series coming out. Um, really, um, I loved the Perfect Match series. That was great. Um, oh, thank you. Sure. So that's all the time we have today. Thanks for joining. Let's talk about books, baby. And until next time, may your journey be lighthearted and peace be plenty and stay safe, folks. And thanks, Fiona Riley, for joining us today. Thank you.